young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the Wall Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. All right, guys, let's kind of tackle some comments real quick. We have a super chat by Ben Bloodworth says, hypothetically, say we keep Parson. Obviously, the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator have to go. Who do we get? Um, So I don't know that both of them have to go, but they do deserve to be demoted, right? Like, I don't know. So I don't put... So I don't I don't know that I have a scheme issue with what Jeff Schmetting has done so far. Yeah. Um, I have an issue with evaluation at our linebacker position and preparation mm-hmm. there. But I don't know that our defense scheme wise is terrible. I just think talent wise, we're lacking in a couple of spots or in depth in rotation at linebacker specifically. So mm-hmm. I'm not so down on Jeff Schmetting. Um, I never was super high on Eric Kiesau as their our offensive coordinator. I think that he has proven that he is decent at best. I don't think he's a terrible offensive coordinator. He's just not a brilliant offensive mind, and he's not right. a great play-to-play offensive play caller um, that I think he deserves another shot at being an OC right now. So um, I think that's the more likely place where you have to make a, a change, um, but it wouldn't hurt you to do both. <laughs> it, de- it definitely would not hurt you to do both, but uh, that's going to require you to spend some bread. And then if you do that, you know, do you put them both back on analyst spots? Um, you know, I don't know uh, what what you do going forward with those two guys um, and they're, they're Boise guys, right? So I'm sure that they want to stick with their guy, but I don't know. I mean, I, did, does the problem still remain <laughs> in terms of getting a getting bringing a coach in? Uh, if you survive this year, you're still kind of where you were a year ago, still on the hot seat, mm-hmm. and the risk is still there from any coach that would come and that, in and next year. I think year. that's the difficulty that you would have. Uh, unless you bring in an OC that has had head coaching experience and that person can be ultimately your interim if you decide five games into the next season, all right, coach, we gave you time to write this ship, and you're you know two and three again. It's been fun. And then you promote that OC to to the head coach interim, um, that's really the only way that that even like you have to make them the assistant head coach, right? Which means that you now have to demote your current assistant head coach, right? So like, or that DC that you bring in has to be like, there's just, there's a lot of scenarios in which this, I don't know that this makes a ton of sense for anybody who wants to come in and take those jobs, which is again, how you've backed yourself into a corner with a lot of the decisions that have been made over the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know, man. Nicholas Frazier asked, did Mike Bobo deserve another year as offensive coordinator? No. In hindsight. No. no. 
Mike Bobo <laughs> didn't do anything drastically different last year than Eric Kiesau has done this year as offensive coordinator. So I don't I don't see a reason why. I don't see how Mike Bobo changes the fate of this team this year. The offensive line is just as bad. Unless Mike Bobo is a better evaluator of offensive line talent and his son staying committed here would have changed what the offensive line would have right. looked like this year, then no. Mike Bobo, I we have no hard confirmation of this. I don't think Mike Bobo was Harson's guy. No. And similar to what had happened right. with um, excuse me, with, with Gus Malzon and Kevin Steele here is you get a guy in house and if Kevin Steele is a booster guy and they like him and they're getting tired of Gus, they're like, hey man. Get ready. We got something. You know, we're working on something. Just be ready when it's time to move. And you don't want that in-house. You don't want anybody that you don't know you can trust in-house. He wasn't hard. He wasn't Harson's guy. Harson got rid of everybody that wasn't his guy. And it may not have been about football acumen at all. It's like, I know how these boosters operate here. And I just saw firsthand. I've got confirmation of how they act. Anybody that might be susceptible to that is getting out. Because I know they'll do it. Because they just did it. So... Mm. Yeah, I think that was probably more about why Bobo left than anything. Ben Blower says it's a it's been a perfect storm against Harson, but I'd argue that's not good enough reason to keep him. Um, yeah, listen, I've, I, I said this. I went on record as saying, "Hey, this is what, despite all of that, you still have to show and prove on the field. This is what he's got to do." And and he had a lot of confidence at SEC Media Days, and I think that's does some of the things that as you hear people who've been critical of him. He's having to eat a lot of those words when he told Mike G, who asked him, what is your message to recruits given what has happened in the offseason? And he said, just watch, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we got to see something. And so that's on him and the coaching staff for us to show us something on Saturdays. Still waiting to see that consistently. F. Scott uh, Fitzbeagle, South Carolina 5-2 and two with wins over Kentucky and Texas A&M. Hire Shane Beamer. So here's the thing about Shane Beamer and Mark Stoops. They are not good. They beat a Kentucky team that didn't have their starting quarterback. And we know how much important the starting quarterback is. And they beat a terrible A&M team. I know people are getting hyped up in Shane Beamer. Oh, we needed this win. Look, Texas A&M is probably terrible. There's a chance they could be the number six team in the West. Or seven. They, like, that's still or a possibility. Seven. That's, they can still be last place. They could be bottom three teams in the league this year. That's and everybody's. Tough. I mean, it is, but our schedule's tough. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't want to celebrate Shane Beamer for beating bad teams. People like to say, oh, he went five and two. Yeah, but you beat bad teams. The real test of if you're a good coach, if you're a good program, is when I put you on the field with good teams. And so far, he's gotten undressed every time he's gotten on the field with good teams. So, no thank you. You know, that that rah-rah, it's nice, it's good. You know, it's working for the recruits. But so far, even though he had a really good transfer season, he hadn't really worked out on the field. Their offense, they were outgained yesterday by a significant amount. They're not not that good. They're just playing the right teams (laughs) at the right times and just making that record look good. But the record is a little bit of fool's gold, depending on who was playing did you get a quarterback that was the dude or not? Will Levis may need to get half of Mark Stoops' extension because there's a, unless they have a comparable, and he's not even that great. He's just so much better than what Kentucky usually puts on the field at quarterback. 
that he's got them looking better than they are. And they still haven't even looked that good with Will Levis. A qu- one quarterback can change your fortunes. Hendon Hooker completely changed your fortunes to Josh Heupel. Everybody's calling him a second-year genius. Okay. He's got to do it again when he doesn't have a, a fifth-year, super-experienced, uh, very talented quarterback that was looking for a new gig. Yeah, we will, we will definitely know what's what with Josh Heupel next year. Yeah. Because, again, I say this again, coming out of camp, they chose Milton. Mm-hmm. And it would have looked way different if you didn't have Hendon Hooker to go to right. in Tennessee. So, you know, I, I get everybody loves Heupel, and his system is, is great. He's a great offensive mind. We're going to see what's what next year, though. Right, right. So, anyway, anyway, and that's not me trying to take a shot at Josh Heupel. I still think he's no, a good coach. No, but Jimmy's um, and Joe still matter, though. In yes, this game. absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to see how, how you have to have somebody to be able to run that ship. But the thing about Tennessee is they had a decent offensive line. So you can always do something when you have an offensive line that's decent. Um, but as far as hiring Beamer, I mean, I, I don't know why people think like people just want to like, I, I think Auburn is a great job. Why do you, why does everybody think somebody wants to jump shit from where they are to come to Auburn though? Right. Like is Auburn a better, let, let me, let me say it this way. Is Auburn a better job than South Carolina as far as the program, the notoriety yes. and all of those things? I think 100% the answer is yes. Is Auburn a better situation for Shane Beamer? The answer to that is no. No. The answer to that is no. Let's think about this. Last year, Shane Beamer, Beamer went 6-6 six and six in the regular season. Mm-hmm. The exact same record that Coach Harson had, right? Mm-hmm. Would Auburn be happy with what they got last year from Shane Beamer? No. No. They'd be disappointed in that. Even now, The difference between Shane Beamer and Brian Harson is a good offseason with recruiting. Right. But has that turned into more wins for them this year against quality opponents? No. Right. So I don't, again, I'm not, and this is not a comparative to who I like better, Shane Beamer or Brian Harson. This is, I don't know that Shane Beamer is a good fit for Auburn. Right. Or I should say, conversely, that Shane Beamer would want to be in this seat at Auburn. I don't think that Shane, that's what he would want. Shane Beamer had an opportunity to go to Virginia Tech last year. Right. And, and turned and it down. That I, that probably was the most attractive spot. For, he grew up like, there. The yeah, legacy, like, the name. And he decided to stay where he is. Yeah. And like I said, I, I don't know that, that Auburn is the place where he's like, hmm, I didn't go to my home team, but Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Because not like VTech couldn't pay him. Right. Right. For sure. Uh, Larry McMullen says five and zero, oh, and he's still gone. <laughs> yep, uh, my guy. <laughs> listen, <laughs> this is funny because a lot of people feel this way. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people. It doesn't matter to them. They don't, I don't so, care. I don't. I don't does. know that I agree with this, but I can see the logic of how it would lean in that direction. I think that there's still a chance. Depending upon, there's a lot of dependencies in this. If you were to ask me today the probability that Brian Harson was the coach in 2023, it'd be less than 50%. I wouldn't want to go above 50%. Is there still a possibility that it happened? Yeah, but a lot of stuff. Yeah. Got to go right. <laughs> a yeah. lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Larry, Harvey McCreary says, question is, do we really know that Harson can really build a program? Because he inherited a winning program. Powerhouse of the Mountain West at Boise. He just had to keep keep the ship floating. What are y'all thoughts about this? 
how many coaches do we know can build a program? Like there aren't a lot of coaches out there that have taken programs from obscurity or from the doldrums into winning in a power five setting that right. are even available to come coach at Auburn. So I don't right. know that we know that about a lot of coaches that are even available. So no, we don't know that answer. But again, I'd ask the question, how many, how many coaches do you know that uh, in a power five? I know a lot of coaches who've taken smaller programs, you know, group of five or FCS, up F- to group FCS of five. programs yeah. and turn them into winners. Yes. But I mean, Scott Frost did that for UCF. See what happened to him at the Power Five. Like, it's just, there's there's not a lot of ways to know the answer to that unless there's a coach who did it at the Power Five level and then has either left coaching or gone to the NFL. Yeah. It's just, you're not going to find that answer a lot with a lot of people. So, no, I, the answer to your question is, do we know that? No. I mean, at this point, we're seeing the answer is probably no, right? But, right. but how do you know unless you just... Give him the time, give him the resource, and get out of his way. So we won't – what he does here will not be an answer to that question because he's not going to actually get the time to rebuild. Because, again, you, you do have – you do have fan – you have the expectations of this guy did it, so he should take off hitting the ground running here, right? Mm-hmm. If he did that there, we're winning a natty here. So, so I see people putting names in the comment section. Two parts to the question. Have they done it? Are they available to come or, uh, let me add, and willing to come to Auburn? Not just done it, done it, available and willing. It's got to be all of those things in order for them to land at Auburn. Not just, well, I've seen them do it before, but are they coming here? And are we even looking at them? Because, again, we've hired people who fans have to be honest. You would have never chosen Gene Chizik. (laughs) Like, there's yeah. some people you would have, you know what I mean? In Granite, Chizik. <laughs> two two Chizik. people were there. They were booing them yeah, off the like, runway. The, <laughs> yes, there might be coaches out there, but do Auburn, the people making the decision, want them? Mm-hmm. That's what you got to be. That's another thing. There's too many variables with this, right? We can name coaches, and that's always fun to name coaches, right? But do the people pulling the trigger, who do they want? Remember, we were this close to having Steele. Kevin mm-hmm. Steele. Who was our who was pushing for Kevin Steele? No one in our comments. No one right? in our community either. <laughs> so that that's 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 the other part of it as well, to, to Ike's point, is who are we going to pursue who's done that? Right. So uh grab some super chats here. Walt Taylor, Walt Taylor, appreciate you, man. Are you guys going to give us your top three? Hmm. Mm. Top three what? Coach, coach options. I'm guessing no. what you asking. I'm um, not because he's he's still, he's still the coach right now. Yeah. I'm not. If he I'm, get, once he gets fired, once, then we'll have that done, conversation. Once he's done, we will, we will, listen, we will have our list prepared for yeah, you. I'm That's talking about we will go live involved. the very day that it happens and we'll talk about it then. We will give you our list of coaches that we think will be a good fit because, trust me, I think about – we think about these things too. It's just we've never speculated these types of things. And so it's fun to talk about with the fans. And here's again, the thing. That's consistent. We didn't do that with Coach Malzahn, even though we thought Coach Malzahn deserved to be fired. We didn't sit here and have conversations on who the next coach of Auburn right. would be until right. he got fired. Right. Well, you know what? That's not completely fair. I was stumbling for Bill Clark for a long time. No, yes, you were stumbling for Bill I Clark. Was, sure. I was, yeah. yeah. But uh, again, I, 
we, I didn't think that we sat here and had prolonged discussions about who the next coach of Auburn should be while Coach Malzahn was still in the seat. No, I was just yelling, cut the check. I was yelling, cut the check. And that was after what? <laughs> Good God. Way too yeah. long. Eight years. The new coach is going to be represented by Sexton for certain. Then we better <laughs> get our pockets ready if that's the case. Yeah, man. That's a uh, oof. Sexton, Sexton must be about to buy a country because these if he's getting <laughs> the cuts of these buyouts that he's getting. Shoot, man, man you've been eating mega. off Auburn for sure. Let's just talk about you know just let's just pick one thing coming off the bye week that we just want to see with the players. We've talked about coaches long enough. Let's talk about these kids because the one the one silver lining I could say about this season is that these kids are still playing very hard and competing. Um, and that I can appreciate. Even when people asked us our thoughts about the issue on the sideline after the touchdown on at all miss between Tank and Robbie, you made a great point, Ike. These guys are arguing because they care. Yeah. If they didn't care, you 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 would see a lot of apathy. You would see a lot of indifference on the sideline, even even out in the score. So right. these guys are still caring and still playing hard. Uh, give you guys a fun fact: over the past ten years. Auburn is 10 and 2 when coming off of a bye week. Mm-hmm. There's been some bye weeks where Auburn ended up playing their next game in the middle of the week on a Thursday, but they had like 12 days off, 13 days off as a, or 12 days off as opposed to 14, right? Nevertheless, 10 and 2 off of the bye week. One of those losses was to Georgia. I believe that was 2019. You want to know who the other loss was? Who? Can I take Don't a guess? say Arkansas. Arkansas. I remember in that was 2015. And that was 2012, actually. Oh, okay. Oh, 2012 didn't count. Nah, but still. <laughs> but still. Um, hey, it definitely counts this year, bro. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so it's 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 kind of interesting that that's yeah, the other team. So there are some things that we definitely want to see improving. You're going to name some obvious ones. Guys in the comment section are going to name some obvious ones. But if you just had to pick one thing for the duration of these five games that you can see visible improvement in with this Auburn football team, what would that thing be? I'll start with you, B. I mean, if, if I'm being extremely obvious, it's just turnovers. Mm-hmm. Turnovers are side of the LSU game. And I would love, even though that was more of a case of LSU was still finding themselves, we surprised them with something they had not seen yet. I would love to have that W under our belt. And as LSU goes on this little run they're on, to say, hey, look, we beat that team. Now, did we beat the team? Were they the team they are now when they played us? No. No matter. We beat them. We would have beaten what, by the end of the season, will probably be a very good team. And I think that looks a lot better. Um, Turnover side of that game. I'm not, maybe not completely turnovers aside of the Ole Miss game. I think it was the difference in the points. So, sure, no turnovers from us. The neck and neck, probably last person that has the ball wins it. And it just looks a lot better. Um, these these scores are a lot closer. Production is better if we're not turning the ball over. But that's that's the number one. Number one is if we just don't turn the ball over, at least not excessively, you know, somebody, you know, they blitz you and and a good stunt and the offensive line gets stuck and he gets hit and and fumbles the ball. Sure. That's going to happen. Sometimes unforced errors, interceptions without pressure. I would love to see all that go away. Some stats about turnovers. 
Auburn is currently ranked 117th in the NCAA, 12th in the SEC. 16 turnovers, and we're dead last in the NCAA in turnover margin. So yeah, my we, thing we've is... We've had like 11 and forced two or something like that? Yeah. So my thing is, is that I want to see us actually, from defense, from the defensive standpoint, actually force some turnovers and help our offense out. Um, I would like us to be a little bit more opportunistic in forcing some turnovers because that that will definitely help get off the field for sure. Uh, Ike, what's one thing you want to see some improvement from from this team going into the final stretch of the season? Uh, I think it's just going to have to be the the run game on both sides of the ball. Uh, we've got to figure out a way to run the ball, and we've got to figure out a way to stop the run. This, this next game is going to tell us a lot because yeah. Arkansas is going to try to run the ball a lot. And Arkansas is better of the two units at run blocking, or excuse me, at um, run defense. They can't guard against pass for nothing, but they can stop the run decently. So we need to figure out when we know a team is going to say, all right, cool, you guys can run the ball, not this game, and we can still find a way to make positive yardage in the run game, whether that means a commitment to the run, which God knows we need to figure out a better way to to show a commitment to run the ball. Mm -hmm. But like passing first to set up the run, doing some different things, and then being able to scrape out some run yardage as well. Or just lining up and running it down people's throats, even though we know that they're they're lining up to stop it. We got to figure something out in this run game, right? Because here's the thing. There are a lot of teams who run the ball really well, and that's the primary thing that they do. Look at Ole Miss. Ole Miss runs Mm -hmm. the ball against everybody, and people know they're going to run the ball. Who has stopped Ole Miss from running the ball? LSU. Um, but <laughs> but I'm just saying they still they they still ran the ball against LSU. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like LSU completely shut down their ability to run the ball. Right. So just having the excuse of people are just gonna line up and stop it, we gotta be able to throw. The reason why Ole Miss can still run the ball is because they can actually throw it as well, right? Like let's not be right like that's the that's the reason why they can still because they're balanced enough offensively. But um, but yeah, they got to be able to 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 be better on both sides of the ball as far as running. They need to run the ball better, stop the run better. For sure, got some some comments from uh, the people in the comment section. Nicholas Frazier says tackling has to improve. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with that, especially in the open field. Good good comment there. Uh, Phil agrees with you, Ike. He says stopping the run mm-hmm. is his for sure. Uh, that's important this weekend, absolutely. Uh. A. Jackson says, hope we found an offensive line in the bye week. Uh, Thoughts about uh, O-line, guys? I don't have any thoughts on this O-line until I see him play another game with that unit and play as well as they did against Ole Miss. Right. Yeah. I need to see it it more than one game to be like, yeah, oh, yeah, we found our O-line. I don't know that yet. Right. I think they need to do more. Erica Ratney says throwing on first and second down, basically mixing it up and not being too predictable on offense. Thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, I mean, I think we are being been we've been super. We our tendencies are clear at this point in time. 